Minister, the Honorable Minister Ibrahim Patel. Minister. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chair. Uh, it seems the video facility has been stopped by the host, uh, so my camera is off, but I can continue. And um, I think uh, I would like to really just um, appreciate the the report that uh, the SIU and Advocate Mutibi and the team has uh, presented. Chair, I want to keep the next part of the report as um, uh, crisp as possible, uh, but I'm going to ask the uh, uh, just to uh, use the facility to put the presentation on the table and briefly summarize the journey that was taken to get to the SIU report uh, in order to provide the basis for the last part of the presentation, which will deal with the, the steps uh, that will be taken by the board uh, and the, the department. Um, if we can get the presentation flighted now, uh, it would uh, uh, cover then uh, in the first slide. Uh, I'm going to ask that we go to the next slide. That really just summarized the legislative mandate of the NLC and the committee will be familiar with it. I'm looking to cover that. The slide thereafter deals with the uh, background to the SIU investigation and uh, that one is, is, is relevant to point to the committee that uh, the allegations of corruption, the core area of the corruption, uh, already at, uh, uh, manifested itself in the fifth administration. And the previous Minister of Trade and Industry had written to the board requesting that the board set up an investigation into allegations involving a Limpopo proactive project. Um, in the sixth administration, it was clear that no progress had been made in those investigations. And the board and the commission uh, relied on an interpretation of the PFMA that investigations must be conducted by the accounting authority, that is the board itself, and that the ministry had no role other than to refer matters to the board for investigation. Uh, it was clear that there was evidence that the board was not fulfilling its governance function and this needed to be addressed. But it be also became clear that attempts to directly intervene by the department and the ministry would result in a drawn out legal battle over what was still untested ministerial powers. And this had an inherent risk in insulating the NLC from oversight and that the board therefore needed to be placed on formal terms to fulfill its responsibility and should it fail, the ministry would then have compelling grounds to intervene. The next slide really sets out the pillars to the way in which the department sought to address uh, corruption in the NLC. First, it was to have to enable a full and independent investigation to be conducted and successfully concluded without it being subject to a successful court interdict. Second, to ensure transparency in reporting by the NLC on beneficiary information in annual reports, and of course, in response to parliamentary questions. And third, to address governance issues through the appointment of a person of integrity as board chairperson, and to act uh, against board members based on evidence that was secured, and appoint new members where warranted. The next slide then breaks that into all the detail, the investigation pillar. Uh, first, the uh, Minister set the basis for action by placing the board under formal terms 
in August 2019. It was shortly after the start of the, the new administration. And we requested that they finalize the forensic investigation, recover the funds for the DENZI project, and provide the ministry with a full list of proactive funding projects. And in further correspondence, uh, the uh, ministry requested uh, that uh, the incomplete uh, forensic investigation uh, be concluded. And there was also correspondence on investigation of the chief operating officer. Uh, and in August of that same year, the, uh, uh, we requested the DTIC internal audit to conduct a site visit of the DENZI project. Now, that was really to ensure that the board is given an opportunity to address its failure when they continue to fail to comply. And also based on the outcome of the site visit and the work of the internal audit team of the DTIC, uh, we were then, uh, we took the next step to request a formal independent forensic investigation commenced by a company called Next year, they were appointed in March 2020, and initially uh, they were asked to cover four projects, which resulted in interim findings. The next slide then goes uh, to the interim findings that, <clears throat> based on these interim findings uh, and the work that had been uncovered, uh, we had also written to the president on the 19th of May 2020 in support of the appointment of the SIU to investigate allegations of serious maladministration in the affairs of the NLC. And uh, I had requested that the department lay criminal charges at SAPS, which was done in September 2020, uh, as more information came to light and further criminal charges were laid in December 2020. The president by then had already appointed the SIU and the forensic investigation scope was extended to add two more projects uh, that uh, information is provided. The next slide really just uh, breaks down those uh, projects, Life for Impact, uh, Zipsy Mazi, I Am Made for God's Glory, and Denzi Primary Care. The next slide sets out some of the allegations that were considered uh, for each of these projects. The next slide provides some of the findings that were made in each of these, and I'm not going to run through them in detail now. They are mirrored very strongly by the work subsequently of the SIU. Uh, all four cases were reported to SAPS for criminal investigation, and the results of the forensic uh, investigation was also shared with the SIU, given that the SIU has wider powers and has really uh, shown that it's uh, prepared and able to use those powers. The next slide uh, is the uh, proclamation uh, on the NLC by the president in November. I'm sure members of the committee will be familiar with that. The next slide. Uh, really then, so that first set of slides dealt with the, the pillar dealing with getting the investigation going. And we've ended with the SIU uh, then taking over the investigation. The second broad pillar was protecting transparency. The NLC and a number of external bodies sought to prevent the disclosure of information on who are the recipients of NLC monies. We took the, uh, a number of steps to require the NLC to make that information available. They included uh, the decision to oppose 
pressure and litigation that sought to prevent that publication of beneficiary information, correspondence with the board setting out the reasons why the board and the NLC was obliged to provide the names of all beneficiaries in its annual reports, uh, advising attorneys to agree to transparency requests made by the legal representatives of the SA National Editors Forum, and instructing the NLC to respond to all parliamentary questions that uh, uh, was, uh, was tabled, even when the NLC uh, tried to identify uh, reasons why it should not be obliged to answer those questions. The next slide, then just take a few specific examples. This one was a significant part of the fight against corruption was to maintain the flow of information on beneficiaries uh, of public funding. The NLC board relied on a view that they were not required nor indeed entitled to release information on the identity of beneficiaries, and they cited Regulation 8 issued under the Lotteries Act. Uh, just to illustrate the kind of detail, and this is one of, of a number of letters on various aspects of uh, transparency that uh, had to be done or affidavits that had to be done. And this uh, really set out the grounds why the, the ministry uh, felt that it was uh, necessary and an obligation on the NLC to provide that information. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, it's a little bit small because uh, the department has reproduced the full letter here. But the next slide will continue with more extracts uh, or pictures of the uh, the letter to the NLC and uh, honorable members will take note that um, we drew attention there to a correspondence in which the NLC advised uh, me that they had classified the information uh, as secret and uh, I had um, advised the, the NLC in writing that the classification of the list of funded projects as secret is not warranted by any legislation and is a clear breach of the obligation of the NLC and uh, therefore called upon the NLC to resume the practice of publishing the names of beneficiaries and that uh, such information should, should include those who receive funds for proactive funded projects. There's more details in there, but I'm not going to pull all of that uh, out now given uh, the, the need to, to move rather briskly through the presentation, uh, but a number of inconsistencies in the approach of the NLC was pointed out, including their previous practice, and that on the logic of the NLC, uh, it itself was in breach of its, uh, its own uh, regulations and legislation in the past, uh, and that the argument, therefore, was very uh, tortuous and not sust uh, sustainable. The next slide gives another example of um, the fight for transparency. And this was a court decision. In November 2020, the NLC took the decision of the ministry to appoint an independent forensic investigation on review. The matter was set out as NLC versus Minister of Trade, Industry and Competition. And um, it sought not only to overturn that decision, but also to secure a copy of the interim findings of that forensic investigation. The court refused the application by the NLC to set aside the, uh, the decision or the ministerial actions. And the judgment merits careful scrutiny as it highlights the manner in which the NLC failed to investigate corruption and failed to com 
to cooperate with the DTIC's endeavors to do so. And the judge found that um, uh, the executive authority, the ministry, had the power to appoint independent investigators under the PFMA. And in coming to that conclusion, the court uh, noted the conduct of the NLC, that it had absolved itself of responsibility to investigate uh, the use of funding by beneficiary organizations, that it refused to cooperate with the investigators appointed by the minister, and it, it refused to account for its action. And that then uh, uh, enabled uh, the courts to come to the judgment that it did. The NLC opted to apply for leave to appeal against the judgment, which the High Court refused. They petitioned the Supreme Court uh, for leave to appeal, and that application was also dismissed with costs. And it illustrates the extent to which the previous board and commissioner used the resources of the NLC to resist attempts to uncover corruption. The next slide is just extracts from the court decision that may be relevant, uh, and it points to the fact that uh, in the third bullet where the board itself refused to account for its actions, it's difficult to imagine how bearing in mind the obligations uh, that the ministry has under the Act and the PFMA and the oversight function is afforded uh, in terms of both um, uh, of these, uh, it would be hard to see that the minister has no obligation or to have no teeth to act. And it says then, furthermore, any action without an investigation has its own inherent issues. And that really pointed to the fact that the heart uh, of any action uh, to deal with corruption facts to come forward through an investigative uh, 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 process, which of course the original forensic and critically the work of the SIU is now uh, entitled uh, uh, or has now provided uh, all of us with. Um, and um, <clears throat> the next slide sets out a further uh, example uh, of the, uh, the battle. So if we can turn to the, the following slide. Uh, oh, um, uh, this slide deals with uh, addressing uh, governance challenges. If we can go back one. Uh, one slide, right, uh, and and here, uh, this was the third pillar uh, to address the return to clean administration for the NLC, uh, and some of the steps we took included re uh, resisting the request for extensions of the previous chairperson's term of office for a full five-year period. Uh, he had sought to have this extended to July 2022, uh, uh, citing uh, a legal opinion on um, uh, apparent uh, uh, discrepancies and challenges with the uh, the uh, letter of appointment, and instead his termination date was fixed to 30 November 2020. Also, uh, another step that was taken was appointing an acting chairperson from 1 December 2020 uh, and um, resisting the attempt by the board to appoint their own chairperson and defending this, uh, the subsequent court case brought by the NLC. We advertised the permanent chairperson position, provided Parliament initially with three shortlisted names of South Africans of high integrity, and then with a full list of applicants. We commenced action against uh, one board member following information received by the SIU, <clears throat> and it resulted in his, in his resignation, um, and uh, commenced action against other board members 
based on negligence in performance of duties. Uh, the next slide then provides uh, information uh, that summarizes what had uh, been the position as regards the previous board. Advocate Huma uh, resigned. Dr. Madzi Bandela passed away. Zandile Brown uh, resigned to dissociate herself from the board. And two other board members were subject to a disciplinary process uh, underway at the time of expiry of the term of office. Uh, four new uh, board members were appointed and uh, uh, honorable members will see that Dr. Cassius Lubisi, former cabinet secretary, Precious Mvulani, a chartered accountant, Willi Hofmeyer, uh, formerly uh, head of the asset forfeiture unit and uh, also uh, from the NPA, and Beryl Ferguson, uh, a former member of parliament and a board member on other boards. The appointment of a new a board chairperson, we provided initially a shortlist uh, to parliament with advocate Tuli Madonsela, Dr. Barney Pitiana, and Dr. Frank Shikani as uh, three shortlisted candidates. The portfolio committee uh, did its own shortlisting. It provided initially uh, three names and then submitted a revised list uh, this year. And the names are provided there, Terry Celani, uh, Dr. Pitiana, Dr. Chikani, and, and Tembad Lamini. And I subsequently, having regard to all relevant facts, uh, appointed Dr. Barney Pitiana as chairperson of the NLC board. The next slide uh, briefly deals with some examples of the fight back by the, by the NLC and external bodies. Uh, these included the replacement of the board. This has been a matter that had been considered already in 2020, given the failure by the board to complete the investigations that had been requested already in the previous administration. <clears throat> and the NLC itself had prepared a legal defense to challenge ministerial power to remove the board, and it obtained a legal opinion that relied on Section 49.2b of the PFMA for its view that the board, rather than the ministry, had the power to deal with all matters relating to financial management. The ministry sought legal advice in 2020 on the circumstances in law that would justify the removal of the board, and the advice indicated that it was necessary to have a scrupulous adherence to due process to avoid ministerial action from being interdicted or set aside by the courts, and it concluded that, based on the information available at the time, there was not sufficient grounds for the removal of the board. The next slide uh, provides further information on the fight back uh, examples. It, when it became apparent that the department was serious about acting against corruption, various measures were put in place by third parties and individuals in the NLC to frustrate the department. They included, among others, uh, the following, that a large number of persons were bust in at great expense to protest at the uh, uh, the ministerial offices in Pretoria against disclosure of information about the identity of individual beneficiaries that took place in March 2020. There were numerous threats of legal action, letters from attorneys, which appeared to be orchestrated and required detailed responses to be formulated. Cases were launched at the High Court and in one matter, a petition to the Supreme Court of Appeal. There were reports uh, in the media of arson tampering with vehicles uh, of whistleblowers and action against whistleblowers. And there were numerous anonymous leaks uh, and slanderous attacks in the print and social media 
against inter alia an investigative journalist uh, against the ministry and its motives for seeking to investigate the allegations of corruption. The next slide uh, uh, then uh, details just some examples, not even the full list of the use of lawfare. And this was to tie the ministry down through a number of threatened or actual court cases. The first action I've referred to, which is the legal opinion provided by the ex-chairperson setting out his grounds for challenging the period of his appointment and contending that he was entitled in law to be retained in office until July, uh, end of July, effectively, uh, of 2022. The second was the legal opinion by the NLC setting out why the information of beneficiaries could not be made available in annual reports. The third uh, action was a legal opinion by the NLC setting out the basis to challenge attempts by the minister to remove the board. The fourth action was a letter from a law firm, Popella Market Attorneys, on behalf uh, of uh, an NGO demanding that the ministry desist from requesting the NLC to release the beneficiary information. The fifth action in July 2020 was uh, Zakenima Africa versus the minister and the NLC. It was an application to prevent publication of beneficiary details. At the time, the NLC did not oppose the application. The ministry gave notice of its intention to oppose and provide in considerable detail the grounds for opposing the application. The application was subsequently withdrawn. The next slide continues with us, uh, giving action number six, which is in November 2020, a court application by an organization called the African Liberty Movement against the NLC and the chairperson of Parliamentary Portfolio Committee seeking to interdict the NLC from releasing beneficiary information and the Portfolio Committee from compelling the NLC to release such information. Uh, the NLC at the time did not oppose, uh, which would have resulted in a court ruling that it could not disclose beneficiary information. And this is a very interesting little anecdote. The ministry was not cited in this. And for some reason, and I don't know if it was done in error, but the papers were served uh, on the DTIC offices. We get lots of papers served on uh, the department in many different matters, and it's normally sent to the state attorneys. This one, uh, the staff did bring to, to uh, the attention of senior officials. And when it was brought to my attention, we applied to be joined to the proceedings and opposed the application and set out the details. The case was dismissed on grounds of a lack of urgency. In Action 7, in December 2020, a legal challenge was launched by the NLC on the power of the minister to authorize a forensic investigation and in order to compel that the draft report of the forensic investigation be made available to the NLC. The court application was dismissed, and as I indicated earlier, leave to appeal by the NLC was refused by the Supreme Court of Appeal. In Action 8, in March 2021, a legal challenge was launched by the NLC on the power of the minister to appoint the acting chairperson of the NLC, with the NLC board contending that it, as the board, not the minister, was entitled to appoint an acting chairperson. The court did upheld the NLC application, but by that time, given the process uh, that had been followed on the appointment of, of the chairperson, the advice from our attorneys was that we should 
seek to uh, to await and expedite the report from Parliament. In Action 9, in March 2022, there was a legal challenge launched by the NLC Commissioner to compel the Minister to extend the term of the remaining board members or appoint a new board. The application was ultimately withdrawn. And that takes us to the next uh, slide. It was the case of the COO, the Chief Operating Officer. Uh, already in 2019, uh, the DTIC had queried the role of the COO uh, and had proposed uh, uh, in uh, early 2020 that he be placed on suspension pending uh, completion of an investigation. Uh, that investigation was not uh, completed by the board. He was finally charged as a result of a referral by the SIU in October 2021, indicating that he had improperly received uh, 15 million rand of funds from grant beneficiaries and that members of his family had also received funding unlawfully. That was the allegation. He was found not guilty in the disciplinary inquiry, but our lawyers have advised that there were numerous shortcomings in how the hearing was conducted by the NLC. I requested the transcript of the uh, entire uh, record of the disciplinary inquiry. And um, uh, this was scrutinized by uh, the ministry uh, lawyers. They advised that the NLC was represented in the hearing by attorneys who had also represented it in resisting investigations into maladministration and corruption, that the NLC failed to lead evidence as to what its policies were in respect of employees, the immediate family members, and business associates in receiving benefits from grant beneficiaries. And this was uh, a dereliction of its duties, of the NLC's duties as an employer. The advocate who chaired the hearing was not a specialist labor lawyer as required by the NLC disciplinary procedure. Uh, uh, we had received a legal opinion that the evidence collected by the SIU was sufficient for the COO to be dismissed. The new board then, when the new board was put in place, they charged the COO with receiving benefits in breach of section uh, 2G2 of the Lotteries Act. This section, honorable members, prohibits employees, immediate family and business associates from doing business with grant beneficiaries. And the responsibility for ensuring, ensuring this restraint rests with the board and the previous board had failed to uh, enforce this provision. The charges uh, relied on the evidence previously obtained by the SIU as well as additional information that the board felt was relevant, the new board that is. The COO raised the defense of double jeopardy, but ultimately resigned prior to the commencement of the disciplinary hearing. The next slide deals with the uh, the issue of uh, uh, the audit. Uh, the legal framework to detect corruption includes work done by the Auditor General of South Africa. Uh, though there was significant information in the public domain on alleged corruption involving the NLC monies, the NLC continued to receive unqualified audit opinions from the Auditor General for a number of years. And following a referral letter by the SIU, uh, to the ministry in August 2021 that sets out details of findings. These were findings involving a NLC board member and an official. Uh, I requested that the Auditor General be advised of the contents of that letter and be provided with such information as was provided 
uh, to me, which was done in September 2021. And the Auditor General's subsequent audit identified serious shortcomings in adherence to proper financial policies, and that audit report was qualified. But the audit report also provides a basis for further action by the new board. The uh, uh, concluding slide for this part of the presentation uh, notes that the previous commissioner had resigned, that the board is in the process of appointing a new commissioner, and in the interim, an acting commissioner had been appointed, and I had uh, 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 introduced him to the uh, committee. The COO had resigned following the decision to commence with a disciplinary action. There's compelling evidence now available that can result in criminal charges and recovery of money. Uh, I make the, the obvious point that resignations do not absolve any implicated party from civil and criminal prosecution, and the board itself will be able to provide oversight uh, of these actions. The new board is now able to play the role of governance and oversight, and uh, the board chairperson will outline the steps taken to date uh, to deal with corruption, to address wrongdoing, and to assist the work of law enforcement agencies that implicated persons are held to account, uh, both criminally and for full recovery of the money. And uh, committee members will know that the DTIC took a decision uh, on the anti-corruption forensic unit, which will be implemented. The last few slides deal with 10 specific steps, but Chairperson, with your permission, if I may first ask if you would be kind enough to give the chairperson of the board an opportunity uh, to uh, to briefly uh, take the board through the steps by uh, to take the committee through the steps by the board and then I can just conclude with those uh, 10 steps briefly I know I've rushed it a little bit chair but in order to um, ensure that we are able to uh, get to the the key issues uh, in the available time of the committee thank you very much Thank you very much, uh, Minister, for, for that presentation. And uh, welcome to Prof. Uh, Pichana. Uh, you have a very big task ahead of you, you and your team, but this committee will walk the path with you and make sure that we bring everyone to book. Over to you, uh, Prof. Uh, uh, good, good morning, uh, <clears throat> Honorable Chairperson and members and honorable members of this portfolio committee. Um, good morning, uh, honorable minister, um, and to my colleagues uh, on the board of the National <coughs> Lotteries uh, Commission. Our work has been made exceedingly easier uh, by that uh, detailed presentation by the um, uh, SIU, Special Investigations Unit, uh, and by the minister, and and really, <clears throat> what we are doing now uh, collectively is to is to really place um, before the portfolio committee the actions that are taken and the approach of the new board um, in how it is undertaking its work. Um, <clears throat> we we have heard already, uh, honourable chair. Um, that the board of the NLC is an accounting authority and the Minister of Trade, Industry and Competition is the executive authority. 
And the act is very, very clear and detailed in terms of the relationship uh, between those uh, uh, offices. And first of all, it is our duty uh, as a regulator, as well as our duty to uphold governance, to hold that relationship um, uh, in sanctity and to build on it. <clears throat> Accordingly, um, the minister appointed the new board on the 24th of March, 2022, uh, initially for a one-year uh, 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 period. And uh, we are um, uh, consulting with the minister about um, uh, uh, completing the appointment of the board uh, in time before uh, the, the, the year expires. That has already been presented to the board. Uh, as chairperson, I formally took up office on the 1st of September. Um, and I found at that time the board already uh, very much on top of the issues at the, at the NLC. And that made my uh, um, introduction to the NLC uh, <clears throat> uh, very, very pleasant and very easy. We've heard that the commissioner uh, uh, resigned after uh, she'd had interactions with the SIU. And uh, she then invited, uh, 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 resigned um, uh, with immediate effect. Then that imposed on the board the duty to expedite <clears throat> the process for the appointment of the uh, uh, commissioner of the NLC. Uh, and in the interim, we sought the appointment of, a, of an acting uh, commissioner. We were very privileged indeed to have access to Mr. Lionel uh, October, uh, formerly the director general of the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition, whose knowledge of the uh, uh, National Lotteries Commission, um, as well as the work of the commission was second to none. So we've had this uh, opportunity now um, to be with uh, 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 Mr. October. <clears throat> the minister has introduced the members of the board. The members of the board are in attendance and, and with them will be participating in a press briefing later. But if any of the issues um, require uh, uh, questions, uh, all the members of the board uh, will be participating in engaging with the portfolio committee as is necessary. Chairperson, as I've indicated, uh, by, by the end of August, 2022, um, the commissioner, Ms. Tabang C. Mampane, uh, resigned with immediate effect. Um, and, and later, so did the COO, Mr. Philemon Litwaba, uh, who uh, protested the, uh, the, the, the disciplinary action um, that was leveled against him. Uh, separately, the chief finance officer, Ms. Olile Mduli, also uh, uh, resigned. And there are other executive vacancies uh, in the commission, uh, for example, of the um, <clears throat> chief uh, 
enterprise and risk uh, officer uh, that we are in the process of, of feeling. In the time that the board has been in place, as we've heard from the Honorable Minister, critical policies of the National Lotteries Commission are being reviewed. They are being reviewed in the light of the experience that has been outlined both by the SIU and by the minister. Um, and to make sure that going forward, we don't suffer the same fate uh, as the National Lotteries Commission had. And so with the, with the, with the support of, of the Public Service Commission and the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition, we are undertaking a comprehensive process and a possible overhaul of all the policies um, critical to the proper and appropriate functioning of the National Lotteries Commission. Secondly, Chair, um, we are involved in the process of, um, we were involved in the process of extending the license of the third licensee of the National Lottery, Ituba Holdings, um, and, and the minister extended it for two years according to the Lotteries Act. That was such as to ensure continuity and sustainability uh, of the National Lottery. As I speak, uh, preparations are underway to finalize the um, request for proposals for the fourth national lottery operator and licensee. It is hoped that uh, uh, the transfer of the, uh, the appointment and the transfer of the national lottery, if necessary, will be on time uh, by the time the current extended license expires. The board chair is committed to restoring and strengthening the relationship with the shareholder. As I said, it is our duty as a regulator, um, that is a statutory uh, position, a part of our duty as of, of governance to ensure that we maintain a very appropriate relationship with the executive authority, as we have heard uh, uh, from the reports from the minister and from the SIU, uh, what actually happens uh, when that relationship is compromised. Chair, I just want to make a very quick, I won't read that slide, it's very busy, um, just to say what really lies foundationally for us in the work we do. It's very, very important, we believe, to lay this foundation very, very clearly that everything we do is founded on the principles that are set out there. We begin by saying we undertake this responsibility at a time when the National Lotteries Commission and sports pools finds itself at a crossroads. And the National Lotteries Commission is a flagship philanthropic project that should be the pride of our country, but it has been buffeted, we think, by crosswinds. At the regulatory level, uh, the performance of the National Lottery continues to excel, in fact, um, distributing no less than 90% of the available funds uh, at this point in time. So we continue to receive the deposits for the National Lottery Distribution Trust Fund. 
this uh, creates at times uh, stories of rags to riches, as we know, but also it creates and it develops the expertise necessary in the intricate technology and management tools necessary for the operation of a national lottery. For its part, the National Lottery is a national development agency for the government of the Republic of South Africa. Not only does it regulate the operations and the management of the National Lottery and sports pools, it also manages and distributes the funds established from the proceeds of the lottery to support the work of charity organizations, nonprofit organizations, and others to promote good causes, including arts, culture, sport, heritage, and charities. This is a supremely laudable undertaking for which our nation must needs take great pride in. The National Lottery is obligated to function with due regard to some key constitutional principles. It's very, very important, Chair, for me to state that at 1,2 billion rand a year, the National Lottery is by far the largest distributor of funds for charity and good causes in our country, both private and public. And that makes it a very valuable resource for the transformation of our people. Of the principles that I've just referred to, Chair, is one that is entrenched in our constitution. The principle of accountability, responsiveness, and openness enshrined in section 1D of our constitution. And the minister made reference to this. This is a very, very fundamental principle in our law and for which the National Lotteries Commission is bound by. And no wonder, therefore, that the cases that were referred to were lost because this is, if you like, the sanctity of this principle of accountability, responsiveness, and openness must never be lost sight of. The second one, Chair, is that we seek to improve the quality of life of all citizens and to free the potential of each person. Again, that's a principle that is right there in the preamble to our constitution. Thirdly, the lottery, we are told in the act, must be conducted with all due propriety and must safeguard the interests of every participant. And therefore those charged with the task of operating the lottery must be chosen and appointed with due care in order to qualify as fit and proper persons. Given that uh, foundational principles, Chair, uh, we, we put before you three broad pillars of focus, of strategic focus uh, for the National Lotteries Commission. The first is to return the National Lotteries Commission to its core mandate of regulating grant making, reinstating its credibility, informing and raising awareness to the people of South Africa about the lottery, its tasks in society, its duty that uh, the act bestows upon it, and the goodwill that is necessary for the National Lotteries Commission to do its work. The second thing, pillar that we have, is to restore the governance and the integrity of the National Lotteries Commission, and indeed of the industry of the National Lottery, 
with zero tolerance for fraud and corruption. Thirdly, we want to continue to build on the work that has already been done to build a world-class institution of operational excellence among national lotteries uh, in the country and, and to explore in which ways the national lottery will be moving from here onwards. For example, we're beginning to talk and understand would the state lottery idea be a logical means by which we can proceed with the national lottery. Chair, just to turn on that first one that I've, uh, a pillar that I referred to, uh, I shall do so very, very quickly. Reference has been made to various reports that have been considered uh, by the board of the National Lotteries uh, 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 Commission. Um, uh, the, the boards revealed, uh, Chair, as you heard, a high level of fraud with respect to grant funding, especially with the proactive funding that is in section 2A3, in particular, of the Lotteries Act. There's been a, a, an organization that was shrouded in a culture of secrecy and intimidation. We need to deal with that. Thirdly, we have had high levels of irregular expenditure and a culture of non-compliance with the PFMA, and any other policy constraints that are there in place. As, as, as the minister has said, there's been a culture of no consequence management. The result of course wrongdoing was proceeding untempered uh, un, 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 un with altogether. First Chair, uh, what are we doing about retaining the NRC to its core mandate? First of all, we have, by the 16th of September, we've instituted a moratorium on all proactive funding. In the process of the review of the policies that we are undertaking at the moment. And we're hoping that that work will be finished in due course. Secondly, the entire grant funding value chain and processes and systems are being reviewed and overhauled to strengthen controls and improve operational efficiency. This of course includes monitoring and evaluation. Thirdly, Chair, uh, for all the reasons that you've heard, we are having to pay a visit to the manner in which the distributing agencies are functioning. Their structure, the appointments of, of, of distributing agents. We have an opportunity to do something about that because the new core distribution agencies are due for appointment by the minister um, by the end of the year. On a regulatory mandate, uh, as I've said, the third national lottery and sports pools operator, Ituba, expired, expired its license in May 2023. And the minister has extended that by a two-year period. And the result of that I'm glad to say, has meant that there is a, a, an increase in the contribution to the NLDTF by 4%, which means that there's an increase in funds that are made available uh, for good causes in our country. The other thing, as far as regulation, I've been saying, and I say it again, that the relationship between the operator 
the National Lotteries uh, uh, Commission is a regulator and the ministry as the executive authority is sacrosanct. And we need to clarify and strengthen that relationship as best we can. In that regard, uh, we continue to perform our duty um, uh, of advice to the minister uh, at this process as we are preparing for a new, for the appointment of a new operator. Some details, uh, Chair, on issues that have been very much uh, before us today. The SIU said that they have referred a whole number of matters that are necessary to the NLC for uh, attention in terms of the human capital policies of the NLC. We've done some work on the fraud and corruption issues, on irregular expenditure, and indeed uh, on the fourth national lottery and sports pools license. And that slide I'm going to pass very quickly, but it is very, very interesting to really work at what are the causes? How did we get to be where we are? Uh, and that work is very, very important if we are going to find solutions. Uh, we know that there's been a lack of consequence management. We know that there's been a, a, a degree of um, less than uh, truthful and honest reporting uh, that was made in certain uh, organizations. We know why that was the case. And we know that there's been uh, high levels of collusion uh, in, the, in, the, in the commission. We know also that there's been challenges to the authority of the state agencies, as well as the minister as well. So if we're going to deal with these issues, we need to put all of those things right. Now, what are we doing? We continue to cooperate with all law enforcement agencies uh, to bring about the necessary action and to strengthen and support the work of the law uh, agencies. And we've been very, very gifted by the presidency on the pro uh, uh, proclamation of the, of the SIU to undertake uh, deep level uh, investigations at the NLC. The second thing we've done, we've established an anti-fraud task team, working closely with the SIU, with assets forfeiture unit, with the um, uh, Department of Trade Industry, and competition, both to put an end to the malfeasance, but also to find ways of punishing wrongdoing and to recover the assets that have been stolen. Thirdly, the board has taken action against those employees who are implicated in various reports, not least by the SIU, and, and, and they will continue to go through um, disciplinary processes. Um, it is very, very important as we talk about uh, consequence management, uh, we continue to do so. Finally, Chair, we are strengthening all the processes of internal control, strengthening all that we have identified as weak in the reports that we have received. About uh, operational excellence, which is a sine qua non 
of an organization of this nature, Chairperson and Honorable Members. The, the NNC, as I said, is the largest, largest funder of philanthropic good causes in our country, by far, at 1.2 billion rand. That calls upon us a high level of responsibility in how these funds are distributed and a, 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 a total commitment to fund in a manner that will make an impact on the suffering of so many of the people of our country. We do so because we recognize that at a time when there are high levels of poverty and unemployment exacerbated, as we know recently by the pandemic, uh, it is an obligation on us that that money makes an impact on the lives of ordinary people. The biggest strategic challenge we have, Chair, is to balance that even as large as 1.2 billion rand may be, it is never enough for what is required uh, and is needed uh, by the people of our country to have a quality of life. And because we know that, we recognize that, uh, it is both important that we know that the resources that we have are here, are there to do the right thing, and they must land in the right places uh, that will make an impact on the lives of the people. But equally, we must uh, make sure that the, the funds that are available are, are strategically and appropriately used. The slide that is there, uh, uh, Honorable Chairperson, shows you, for example, the applications that we have received, 9,596 by July this year, within the first seven months. We had to close applications because we knew that at that level, we would not be able to meet uh, uh, all the applications by the end of the year. And so that's what we, we have uh, had to, to do. But it does show that there is such a great need out there uh, for that to happen. In conclusion, Chair, uh, on behalf of uh, the board, my colleagues and you, I just want to say the last big task we have set ourselves um, is to take that third uh, uh, mission of the National Lotteries Commission, uh, as, as we've had earlier on, to become visible, to, 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 to go out and see for ourselves the projects that are being funded, the projects that have not been funded, the concerns that our people have with the manner in which the National Lotteries Commission functions and seeks to serve them. We need to uh, 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 to have a relationship with the media that is forthcoming and open and information giving, not one which seeks to close off. We need to create an environment within the National Lotteries Commission to ensure organizational, operational excellence. We need to create an environment where every member of staff and executive of the Commission is valued for what they bring to the work of the Commission. And therefore, organizational culture is one of the uh, uh, imperatives that we seek to involve ourselves in. Chair, with, um, with, with that, we, we wish, I wish on behalf of the Board of the National Lotteries Commission and Sports Pools to thank you for the opportunity to come and present uh, uh, to you the work we've done 
in the since our appointment, but also with the amazing uh, assistance that we have raised, for which we want to record our appreciation, both from the SIU and from the Ministry um, of Trade, Industry and Competition, and other agencies like the um, Attorney General of South Africa, with whom we've been working uh, as, a, as partners. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Prof. Pitiana, for that. Um, I think it gives us hope of what you have presented to us. Can I now hand over to the minister? Uh, I just want to uh, ensure the committee members that we might proceed until half past one if we run out of time to give you enough time to ask your questions and receive responses. Over to you, Minister. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, and thank you to uh, the Chair of the, the Board. Having a Board in place means that the, the uh, Department and Ministry's role uh, uh, would be to uh, be able to put uh, proposals, thoughts, ideas to the Board to consider. So a number of additional steps <clears throat> for consideration by the Board have been identified, and they would include action, of course, by the Board on the SIU findings to date that complements the work of the law enforcement agencies. And that would include appropriate integrity, uh, integrity measures involving staff and recipients uh, and the board itself of the NLC. Uh, there's also a need, and I think uh, 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 Dr. Pitiana has put, uh, put this very well, to review the proactive funding program thoroughly before any further approvals are made. Uh, the third one is to initiate a wider investigation beyond the proactive funding projects to include the review of contracts by the NLC and channels through which payments were made by or on behalf of the NLC. The main focus of the presentation has been proactive funding, but it would be necessary just to make sure that there have not been other channels uh, that have similarly uh, been compromise. The fourth one is investigations into the activities at the regional level uh, of the NLC to make sure that the, the challenges are not only addressed nationally, but throughout the organization. The fifth one is to review all previous forensic and internal reports and consider recommendations for systemic changes to avoid opportunities for corruption. And again, I'd like to, to recognize uh, the remarks that uh, Dr. Pitiana has made that deals with that quite substantially. The sixth one would be to review the findings of the Auditor General, particularly the management reports that are provided to the uh, NLC, which often contain much more detailed information. The seventh one is to support those whistleblowers who were threatened or dismissed to look at how some of them have been prejudiced and to address that. The eighth one is to address the position of communities or NGOs who were deprived of the support for which NLC funding was designed. The ninth area is promoting transparency further. And one idea that the board may want to consider is publication of monthly reports on uh, any approved beneficiaries with details of project geolocation so that South Africans will know who receives uh, resources, where they are located. And finally, there may be an appropriate role for uh, oversight visits to project sites by the NLC board. 
So this would complement the measures that the SIU has already identified, the steps that the board is taking already, so that we have a comprehensive response that really roots out uh, uh, all corruption in the institution and makes the NLC a body that South Africans uh, can be proud of, that it directs resources for socioeconomic development. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Minister. As I proceed with my uh, outage, uh, electricity outage in my area, I'm now on my phone. So I'm going to ask the committee secretary to indicate to me the hands I have at the moment is Honorable Cuthbert Thring, Burns Namashe, Dr. Twaku, uh, uh, Honorable McPherson, Honorable Motawung. Uh, can I just have an indication if there are any additional hands, uh, Secretary? Chair, sure, there's two additional hands, Mr. Malamatia and Ms. Muatse. Okay. Honorable Cuthbert? Thanks very much, Chair. I'm busy running two devices, uh, so I'm going to leave my camera off because my internet signal is rather weak. I just want to start off by saying, Chair, that the SIU has done an outstanding job in uncovering the industrial-scale looting at the NLC. But it would be a travesty of justice if the MPO don't follow through and get criminal prosecutions as a result of this. We've heard from the Minister and his colleagues in the African National Congress before that they praise the work of the SIU, and we've heard that they praise journalists such as Raymond Joseph and Anton Fonsale in uncovering the rot. But the fact is, is the ANC was the root cause of the corruption that took place at the entity. These were the same individuals who shielded former board members from scrutiny, the same individuals who chastised the opposition and the media for exposing corruption and maladministration. And it was members of the ANC who allegedly used the NLC as their personal piggy bank at the expense of the most vulnerable in our society. Chair, the grotesque use of funding on luxury cars and homes, which was actually intended for old-age homes, drug rehabilitation centers, and youth upliftment centers, just shows how twisted these individuals are. The next time, and this is my, my message to the public, the next time the ANC tells you that they are pro-poor, do yourself a favor and do not believe them. Chair, I've got a series of questions that I'd like to pose to the various presentations, and I'll segment them as such. Um, to the SIU, I'd like to find out how much they've managed to recover through civil litigation thus far. Secondly, um, whether or not the NPA has responded to the evidence that they've provided them with and what the response has been. Thirdly, are there any individuals implicated in alleged corruption or maladministration that are still in the employment of the NLC? And if so, which matters are they implicated in? And then finally, for the SIU, I see that no recommendation has been made to scrap proactive funding. Yet this was one of the key mechanisms used to siphon funds from the entity itself as well as hijacked MPOs. Surely there should be serious consideration for the scrapping of proactive funding, considering the fact that it has been open to such large-scale abuse. To the Minister Chairperson, does the Minister agree or disagree with the recommendation by the SIU that all board members and officials should undergo a lifestyle audit? If so, when does he plan to begin this process and when does he believe it will be finalized? Chair, I also want to address the, the level of disingenuousness that I found from the minister this morning. He goes on to say that, you know, they, they maintained complete transparency. But if it was not for the DA obtaining several legal opinions, pressing criminal charges, 
and applying public pressure on the department, on the NLC, we would not be here today. So I think it's therefore disingenuous to actually claim credit for that, if I'm quite honest. I then want to also find out, can you please inform the committee as to how much the department and the NLC have spent respectively on legal action against one another? And then lastly, for the minister, have you written to other companies which former board members Gordon and Don Duer serve on to inform them of the allegations they face? As you would know, they served concurrently on other boards of serious financial companies. And I would like to know that there's obviously been the appropriate action taken to inform these boards so that they can make a considered decision. Lastly, Chair, to the NLC board chairperson, I would like to also welcome him to the committee and also welcome the new board and, you know, pledge the DA support contingent on the fact that they do the right thing. Uh, the first question that I'd like to ask is whether or not they have obtained an independent legal opinion um, to ensure that the decision to extend Tuba's license is not, in fact, open to legal challenge. And then lastly, for the board chairperson, can you please provide the rationale behind pursuing a state lottery considering government's track record of managing funds? It was also something that one particular candidate who was not successful and who has, you know, later on been implicated in corruption, um, you know, mentioned. And I think that there was, a, you know, an ulterior motive behind that. And I'd like to understand why that is even an option for the current board to consider. I thank you. Thank you, Honourable Cuthbert. Honourable Thring. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, I think firstly, we want to appreciate um, the presentations from the SIU, the Minister, uh, National Lotteries Commission, uh, <clears throat> as well as the transparency, um, which outlines the magnitude of corruption and looting that took place uh, at the NLC. Uh, I think clearly, Chair, the, the brazenness of the perpetrators of corruption, fraud and looting um, at the NLC to the tune of some 1.4 billion. Um, it, it, it almost equals the uh, the annual budget of the NLC. Uh, this, this brazenness is actually quite alarming and shocking. Uh, so it's in this respect that I, I disagree with the minister. Um, while we appreciate the transparency and the openness, this is not democracy working. Um, this is a failure of internal good governance processes because uh, it should never have happened in the first place if democracy and good governance principles were actually applied. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, let me get to my questions. Um, the first question is, what is the, the total number of, of officials, um, board and executive members? Now, we, we've heard of <clears throat> board member one and executive member one and two and so on. But what are the total number of officials uh, board and executive members that have been implicated um, in the looting at the NLC, and how many of them have had criminal, uh, civil, and or internal disciplinary charges laid against them, uh, despite resignations. And we know sometimes that people resign and then it seems like everything kind of uh, disappears and, and, and goes quiet. Um, the second question is, <clears throat> what charges, if any, will be laid against the NPOs uh, and NPCs, uh, non-profit companies, um, and the individuals or accounting officers uh, who have a fiduciary resp responsibility at those NPOs, NPCs. Um, so what charges will be leveled against those 
NPOs, NPCs, <clears throat> conveyancing attorneys, law firms that have been implicated in the in the looting. Um, and then, <clears throat> is there a database um, to prevent individuals who who may have escaped the net uh, but are somehow implicated uh, and resigned from being employed? in other government departments. So in other words, there's no revolving door. Um, and then what is the amount and is the amount that can be quantified uh, in terms of uh, that which is being recovered and possibly will be recovered by the F asset forfeiture unit, um, the NPA, versus this 1.4 billion uh, that we we now know has been looted over over the years. So just a comparison between um, what is expected to be recovered uh, versus what we know um, has been looted. Um, and then my my last question is, and, and it may have been covered, I think, by Professor Pitiana, um, but the the internal good governance measures I think are crucial um, to be to be put in place uh, to prevent what is known as the hyenas who have absolutely no moral integrity, no respect for the poor, the unemployed, the aged amongst us. Um, so it's important that those measures be put in place uh, to prevent this the repeating of this wanton looting uh, that we have seen. Uh, thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Tring, Honorable Burns, Namashi. Uh, thank you very much, um, <clears throat> Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Members, and um, I really want to uh, welcome uh, this report of the SIU which uh, indeed resonates well with the trust of uh, the renewal program as led by the African National Congress, which among other things is aimed at uprooting <clears throat> every seed of corruption in our public institutions. I, I do hear though the opportunistic assertions by Honorable Cuthbert in bringing the ANC into the equation where not a single finding in the presentation has made mention of the ANC. So it's part of that obsession. Uh, even when the DA has got its own failures, it will attribute that to the ANC. So that, that's that's part of um, 
the, the, the extent to which I think the DA will never accept that the ANC will do anything that resonates with them. It will never. And, and, and it has a historical reason. Because we see things differently. So we are not here about that. Now, if you look into the <clears throat> meticulous methodology that has been so clinically articulated by advocate Emotibi, it actually confirms the tenacity of our state instruments in the resolve to leave no stone unturned. And it's exactly what the president of this country, President Cyril Ramaphosa, promised and is actually doing it. So South Africans will not be misled. They're very clear. They see exactly what is happening. So Chairperson, it must be clear that we are not here for grandstanding or talking to the gallery. We are now demonstrating to the whole of South Africa to see the ANC-led government institutions at work to root out every threat of corruption, malfeasance, and graft as these are an antithesis to achieving a better life for all our people and the advancement of the national democratic revolution. So while the report is indeed devastating and scathing, It is exactly what we intend to achieve. And we want to thank our president for his steadfast resolve to put a zero tolerance to the cancer of corruption that so deeply characterized the power of our institutions. Anybody will agree with me that this report, this presentation, rather, uh, it, 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 it makes all of us stand numb and flabbergasted. Because it undermines the 
ability of the state to intervene in improving the quality of life of our people. And we shall not be deterred. We shall not be deterred in ensuring that we deal with the challenges of malfeasance. I can attest, uh, Honorable Chair, that for instance, in my other responsibilities before I came to Parliament, as a kingdom, we made applications to NLC for a very insignificant amount of money. And we were given far less than we requested for a project which would have benefited the entire kingdom, part of which was to repatriate the artifacts of our kingdom that are lying in the shelves of the British Museum to listen here to reports or presentation that will say so much has been paid to buy a Rolls Royce. You can imagine. So we are taking a very serious um, observation on what has been presented here. And we fully support every step. And Jay, we have noted with absolute disgust declaring the reliction of both fiduciary and fidelity responsibility by the firm of or the firms of Athens, so mentioned, and encourage the SIU to follow every step necessary to dislodge the chains of graft and corruption to the extent of them being removed from the role of practicing legal practitioners. So it's part of that which we want to see happening. It's, that's why the president of the ANC, the president of South Africa, has actually sanctioned this investigation. We want to affirm our unequivocal support to the newly appointed NLC board led by a very capable man of integrity, Professor Bija. And also extend our word of welcome to you, Prof, and fellow board members. You have our full support. Everything that you do, we will be with you. We will support you. 
and we will ensure that uh, whatever barriers that are opportunistically put before you are removed. Because the NLC, indeed, as we have correctly pointed out, this is the biggest hope that our people have. So, the deliberate uh, philanthropic intent and positive contribution by this public entity in alleviating the plight of the poor is immensely enormous and it cannot be adulterated by unscrupulous criminal elements who seek to demonize the strategic trust of the proactive response to the needs of our communities and the nation. As you have heard opportunistically, the DA is saying proactive funding must be scrapped. You can see, you, you can see from there because the strategic trust and intent is to serve our people who unfortunately is not their constituency. So we need to strengthen prudence, strengthen checks and balances, including the ability of the governance structure of the accounting authority in its oversight, leadership, and fiduciary responsibility. So those are the comments we want to make. Um, other members will contribute in terms of the questions. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Burns Mamashe, Honorable Dr. Twaku. No, thank you very much, Chair. Uh, mine, I've got a couple of questions that uh, I need to really ask uh, because uh, in the presentation of the NOC and everyone here, they were talking about the transparency, fairness, and all sorts of stuff that can also answer with the in, in integrity. So I've got a couple of questions I'm going to ask. Now is the, when is the, this SIU going to submit their report uh, to the president? Um, and also I wanted to really check that, is the report available? Uh, how come as members of the committee, we don't have the report? Uh, because I would have liked to dive in onto the specifics, not to get sort of a presentation just to study the, the report before we can have a presentation. So, so when is that report um, going to be issued and submitted to the president? And then when I look into some issues that why are the same matters being investigated over and over with resources that were supposed to be allocated to good causes? Um, so we need to check that. Uh, and, and I need to get the, the answer on that. Why does that actually happen? And how much money that has already been paid 
um, to the in investigators uh, to date. So those are the whole total sum of the amount that has been paid now uh, to the in investigators. And the, the, the prof is talking about the acting commissioner that has been put in. And this action commissioner of the NLC, I believe he was a DG after his contract expired. And now he was moved to the IDC to take care of some project. Now, you said you need to be fair and transparent. Hopefully you'll be transparent. How did he just ended up landing at the NLC? What processes or methodology, what rationale that was put that he, he actually come to the NLC? And is it not, is it not true that um, he fought with the former chairman of the NLC because he wanted the Cape Town-based company to be awarded the lottery license? So probably hopefully I'll get these answers honestly and clear. Now, the current board was appointed through a telephone call by the minister. Now, the question I want to ask, have they been vetted? And are they fit and proper? Have we gone through a proper process of vetting them to a due diligence and, and, and check if they are fit and proper to execute this duty? Now, one of the board members seemed to have done consulting work for the NLC. And has he declared this benefit? Because he has to, because you are preaching ethical transparency. So that needs to happen. We need to check if there's any conflict of interest that was there. Now, how does the, the PPC interact with a structure that was not properly constituted? That we actually have to know. Now, Chair, I wanted to check now maybe to come back to the committee and maybe we should ask ourselves as the committee, how do we first listen a lot of allegations, these allegations that have not been verified? Because you know what? We don't have a report yet. Okay. Maybe when you get a report, maybe the story will change, but we need some verification. Uh, we are entertaining some allegation and allegation and throwing people's names all over the show. Now, what is actually our interest in really listening to the allegations with people's names before the report is being completed and implicated parties have not responded or reviewed the report? Because in the fairness of justice, I think we should, we should have done that. Get a report, look at the report, and the people that are implicated on the report need to review and check it. Before actually ourselves, we were able to reflect on it. Now, why are we doing that? Why are we putting a cut for the horse? because we'd have expected that that should have happened. This is the same as some other reports chair that are coming to the committee. And I've been asking a question, why are we actually sometimes get half-baked things? 
people telling us it's in the process, not done yet. People are wasting money everywhere. I think it's the same with this, um, you know, with, with this report from the SIU. They should finish the report, complete it. All the people who are implicated supposed to be given a chance to express themselves, to explain themselves before the matter is actually, uh, this report is actually made uh, public and all of that. So these are the, some of the question, uh, I need to question, you know, the process as well. I don't want to be really excited and looking into details all of that because I don't have a report in front of me and I'm just looking at the presentation from the SIU. So if I had a report in front of me with all the facts, with all things verified, um, and, and every all, every party individual that is involved is actually uh, given a chance to respond and give their side of the story, then probably I would have actually even contributed and maybe said maybe these are the suggestions we can do or not. So the process must be, uh, uh, you know, uh, it must be concluded first so that we're able to reflect on this issue. These are the some of the questions I, I have, uh, Chair. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable Tswaku. I think your handover from your previous member was incomplete. The SIU is here reporting at our request for an update on, the, on, on this investigation. So um, the, we will still look at the next phases and of course then the, re, the complete report. As I hand over to Honorable McPherson. Thanks, Chair. Um, and certainly a, a truly horrific account of what took place um, at the NLC. But, but none of this should be surprising or shocking to the minister or to any of us that are um, in the meeting today. And I think that the Honourable Thring hits the nail on the head that the sort of congratulatory feelings amongst some in this call is entirely misplaced because there's nothing to celebrate or to pat one's back over when people were stealing money from the poor to buy themselves a Rolls Royce. And Chair, the problem that I have with this conversation and that we repeatedly have is that when issues are raised or points are made or concerns are brought to people's attentions, whether it be the minister or the committee, words like grandstanding, point scoring, posturing is, is thrown around to delegitimize concerns, uh, points made, uh, genuine uh, feelings about how things are being done, uh, you know, to protect people's interests or political agendas. And then when those things crystallize over years, people don't want to be reminded of that. And that's not point scoring. That's not grandstanding. That is actually making the point that if people listen to other points of views, and concerns when they are raised, we wouldn't be sitting in this position today. And we wouldn't be patting ourselves on the back, thinking what a great job that we've done, or even worse, trying to articulate that this is 
some expression of democracy. And so I think it's opportune to take the a moment to, to reflect on how we got to where we are today and how uh, uh, many issues were missed or ignored um, that, that led up to what the SIU have, have pointed out. And some, they've actually reflected on that, but some for obvious reasons, because uh, they're not a political actor, uh, they're an investigating agency, wouldn't be able to make reflections on the actions or inactions of some political parties. So, Minister, this entire debacle started in 2015 when the DTI, under your predecessor, introduced proactive funding. Proactive funding was the platform that this grand-scale corruption and theft took place. And the DA at that time warned Minister Davies then and warned the committee and warned the NLC that they were opening themselves up to looting of a grand scale. We were called racists. We were said we didn't want to empower black communities, the usual thing that your party uh, trots out. And it was all ignored. Not within two years did the first signs of corruption start when the allegations over Denze started uh, uh, thanks to the incredible work uh, by um, investigative journalists to bring that to the attention of the public. That was then brought into the parliamentary committee and the first questions and the first uh, um, uh, requests for investigations were put before the committee. And it was the ANC's unwillingness and inaction at that very moment and that time that then aided and abetted the looters within the NLC. Because they knew from that point when the ANC refused to be on the side of transparency, refused to be on the side of good government, governance, they knew that they had a protectionist regime within parliament that would shield them from any accountability. At the same time, it was the ANC that bulldozed the appointment and the reappointment of uh, Mr. Nevertunder. The, the DA and some other political parties at that time said that he was entirely inappropriate to again be reappointed the chair of the NLC who became the don of this criminal network within the NLC. And it was the ANC that appointed him in the first, in the first part. And we were called racists, we were called names, uh, and everything that the ANC normally comes up with. And when we asked for when the NLC then came up with the crazy idea of not releasing public beneficiaries, um, it was the ANC in the parliamentary committee that attempted to defend that position in 2019 and 2020 and took the side of the board that refused to make those names known to us. The then 
chair of the committee went so far as to try and obfuscate and obtain a legal opinion uh, in an attempt to stall what was going on uh, and releasing those public, uh, releasing those names. Again, members of the ANC in the parliamentary committee called us racists, said we didn't believe what the NLC was doing correct. We didn't trust black NGOs. Those are what they said at that time. And they sought to protect the nonsense going on uh, in, in that committee. In 2018, it was members of the ANC that refused, absolutely refused, to investigate what was going on in the NLC. In fact, they became so emotional, so angry, uh, there was almost a scuffle in the parliamentary committee uh, in the townhouse hotel. And again, they called us racists and all sorts of the names that the ANC normally call us. But what I don't get is your inaction over all of this. You knew in 2020 that things were going south. The board was fighting you. They refused to make information available. They were taking you to court. They were burning money at an extraordinary rate in corruption and lawyers' fees to keep the status quo for as long as possible. And yet you sought to place no one on suspension and you never sought to uh, dissolve the board. You know, Mr. Uh, Burns says, talks about the dereliction of state institutions or some uh, fiduciary boards, but he doesn't talk about the dereliction of parliament, the dereliction of the previous minister, and the dereliction of duty by the current minister. He doesn't talk about the dereliction of ANC MPs that stood blindly and watched all of this happen. He said that he fully supports the board, the current board, which is exactly what his comrades said of the previous board, that they fully supported the board. So Minister, in hindsight, and knowing what we know now, and the long history behind all of this, do you believe that the ANC and MPs failed in their duty to hold the NLC accountable, failed in their reappointment of Mr. Nevertunder, knowing what we knew then and knowing what we know now? And do you regret some of your own inaction around the conduct of the NLC? Because if the answer to that, all of those questions is no, then this is going to happen all over again. But if the answer to this is yes, then hopefully yourself and the comrades of your party will learn finally for once from a lesson like this that people will start to listen to other views, to other warnings. None of this came out of the, out of the dark. This was written about for three years before anything seriously took place. Raymond Joseph was vilified. His life was threatened. Members of this, community, uh, of this committee, ANC MPs, insulted him 
in committee meetings. They tried to have him removed from committee meetings. And yet he was, the, he was a lone voice who stood up and blew the whistle loudly and was not taken seriously, except for members of the DA and other political parties that sought to drag this issue into parliament. So I really do hope that you will admit that yourself, your comrades, your former minister should have and could have done better, and that you will take responsibility for where we are today and admit that all of this could have been avoided if just people had listened and done their job properly and had not found themselves in dereliction of duty. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable McPherson. Honorable McCone. Thanks, Chair, for the opportunity. Firstly, uh, let me welcome the presentation done by SIU Department and the Board. Chair, I must start by indicating that nowhere in the findings of the SIU is the ANC implicated. Cadbert and McPherson must not come to this meeting and grandstand. Chair, we must not politicize this matter. And it's being malicious and misleading to the public of what DA is doing in this meeting. In fact, Chair, is the ANC president that sanctioned this investigation? I only have two questions, Chair. One, I just want to check with the board that um, when is the board planning to fill the vacancies in the executive, Chairperson? And then lastly, when is the SIU going to submit their report to the president? Thanks, Thank you very much, Honorable Motoun, Honorable Malamacha. Thank you, Chair. I'm in the bus on my way to the house. I'm not sure if I'm audible enough. If so, allow me to yes, continue. You oh, thank you. So allow me to continue and start by saying, let me welcome the presentation, both of them. Better emphasize that all of us, we are not fools. We are clever enough to can see what is truth and what is not truth. We want to really appreciate the, work, the, the good work done by the minister for supporting the president during the a request for the establishment of the SIU. It is there, it is working, it is delivering as per the mandate given to the state president to ensure that we've got a cleaner government. It can be correct that when things are happening, people want to get glory out of things that they know they never contributed. Instead, they were just attacking. To mention few, Comrade Chair, it is very astonishing that the DA is seeking to attack the work of the ministry and try to play narrow politics instead of recognizing the work done. Success has many fathers and not all of them can 
succeed with a paternity test. The DA must bear in mind because we have heard with full an example of dedicated ANC-led administration operating within the law and bit by bit putting screw on corrupt individual until they had nowhere to run to. So it will be very wrong for DA and its alliance to sometimes think that we cannot, we can just jump to the matter and ensure that we don't do things accordingly so that at the end of the day, we have no prima facie to can point out and arrest. Therefore, it will be very much advisable that whoever will stand on the matter, first do thorough investigation, have facts to the matter, present a case as we are doing now, so that at the end of the day, when we arrest, we arrest for the court. It's only a few questions that the DA cannot even test to answer them. For example, did the DA take any step to uncover the Pantheon project? The answer is no, except for making many press statements. We know they can do that. No, it was the minister who asked the ETIC internal audit team to visit the Jenga project physically to obtain proof. It's a known factor. The DA has never appointed forensic investigator that initiated uncovering events of the wrongdoing. In fact, minister requested that an independent foreign investigator be appointed. That is a fact and it's known. The DA never laid any criminal charge involving the NLAC, no. In fact, the minister requested that a charge be laid as soon as evidence of corruption was found. They know that. The DA never challenged the old NLC board in court, they never. The minister defended a range of legal attacks in a number of cases in fact, the DA was critical of ministers, Minister Patel's attempt to avoid members of the old board from nominating their own chairperson. They know that. The, the question will be, did the DA appoint the SIU? No, the President Ramaphosa appointed the SIU. And this, as I alluded earlier, the minister wrote to the president supporting the request. So, chairperson, in many cases, it is not the public that is misled. It is us when we are looking for cheap political scoring who come with this misinformation and think that people are listening to us. People are not listening to DA and the Alice. Comrade Chair, allow me to extend my other two last questions on the NLC. Uh, just to say, for an example, Comrade Minister, how many employees, excluding the board members, have to date been implicated in wrongdoing at the Commission? and what measures have been employed to hold them accountable. You remember that board members cannot just act in all everything that was said alone. Of course, somebody earlier on did indicate now, I want you to indicate that you are strengthening internal control witnesses. Please elaborate this entails and how will it effectively and efficiently prompt or mitigate corrupt acts in the future, not only board members, but within the entire organization. Comrade Chairperson, when I conclude, let me take this opportunity to follow suit that we welcome the newly appointed chair for his vision and his eagerness of transforming the country, I think we'll do more. You've got our support together with your trip. Keep the good work. We really appreciate the way you start things of visiting, talk to reality on the ground. This is the right direction. And we want to thank you, the minister, for appointing a well-seasoned cater for that team works, and we're sure that it's not going to let us down. Thank you, Chair. Thank you.
a.m. It is now after one o'clock, two minutes after one o'clock. Uh, the last person to ask questions is um, Honorable Moatse. And then we will give eight minutes to each, uh, first of all, the SIU, then the, um, the, the SIU, the NLC, and then lastly, the minister to respond as we will conclude, hopefully, by half past one. Uh, Honorable Matze. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Let me also join my colleagues for welcoming the, re the report and the presentation from the SIU and the DTI. And uh, also appreciated the commissioning of the investigation by the president of the ANC, the president of the country, Ntate uh, Cyril Ramaphosa. We really appreciate the, initi the initiatives. We, we also welcome the newly appointed NLC chairperson, Professor Pichani, and we hope for the best in your leadership, Prof. Uh, without a uh, waste of time, let me go straight to, to, to the question. I have uh, only three questions. Uh, I just want to know, uh, Chairperson, that does the NLC have monitoring and evaluation mechanism in place to ensure that the funding allocated to NPO goes where it is intended and has the intended social impact? And then the extent to which corruption is entrenched and systemic in the NLC, the problem of fraud and corruption cuts across all branches of the NLC throughout the country. How is the new board members deal, dealing with this matter systemically? And uh, uh, Chairperson, uh, we... we we also fully support the recommendation of the SIU and all those wrongdoings, uh, Chairperson, we, we hope that uh, they, they, they must be followed. Uh, I thank you, uh, Chairperson. Thank you very, very much, Honorable um, Moatse. Advocate Mutibi, you have from now until 13 minutes past to respond uh, to matters yeah. uh, regarding the SIU. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, we appreciate the questions and comments. Uh, firstly, Honorable Cuthbert, uh, what is it that we do uh, to inform other boards at which the members are sitting from the SIU side, whenever there are findings uh, against any board member, uh, we also uh, uh, institute a process where we make recommendations, of course, based on the extent of the findings, where the board members uh, would be considered to be declared delinquent. Uh, and based on that uh, process, then wherever they are sitting uh, in any other institution, uh, that institution has to be informed so that appropriate action can be taken. 
Honorable Thring, what is the num total number of officials? Uh, uh, my colleague, Mr. Lacheto, uh, will indicate. Uh, so far, we have, from the officials' perspective, two executives so far that have been critically involved in all these uh, uh, irregularities and, and uh, 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 processes. Uh, there are officials that the evidence have pointed to, uh, which, because we have not uh, made uh, findings yet, that the investigators are still looking at, but Mr. Lacheto will give the Honorable Committee the number that we are looking at so far. And as the investigation continues, there is a possibility that there would be, there may be further uh, officials that are, look, are being looked at. Um, how many have been acted upon despite the resignation? Yes, uh, as we have said, and I think the minister also uh, indicated in his presentation, resignation only terminates employer-employee relationship. So we are pursuing them, as we have shown, on the civil litigation side and even on the criminal, on the criminal uh, uh, side. Charges against the NPO, of the evidence that we have referred to NPA, uh, some of those uh, evidence relates to the NPOs. So wherever evidence points to NPOs that have committed criminal offense, we do refer them to the, to the NPO. Uh, and in our, in our presentation, we have indicated the number of referrals to date. There may be furthermore, depending on what other evidence we uncover. Is there a database of employees to be uh, deployed elsewhere? Uh, we really appreciate this question because it has been our observation, in, even in various investigations, that when officials in state institutions are confronted with evidence of wrongdoing, they, they are quick to resign, and then they suffer, resurface in other state institutions. Firstly, what do we do? We freeze their patients uh, so that, so that uh, it shouldn't really uh, be a perception that you can commit wrongdoing and resign and leave. So we freeze patients. So that's the first step of ensuring that they feel the pain. Secondly, we have been in contact with the Department of Public Service and Administration so that in their system, they're able to track where these officials uh, resurface. And then we are able to follow them wherever they are. We have various examples where we have done that. Uh, the amounts to be recovered vis-a-vis -vis the amount that are under investigation, as we have indicated that there's various processes going on to institute civil litigation. And honorable chair, on this one, uh, we don't have the exact number yet, once the quantification is done through the civil litigation process, we've got forensic accountants that will assist. Uh, we, once it's done, and hopefully uh, uh, will be soon, we can then submit uh, a response in writing to the Honorable Committee, and we will do so, indicating the amounts to be recovered, pointed and quantified to date, versus the amounts that are under investigation we undertake that we will do so. Um, we, we 
really appreciate the comments by Honorable Ngamashe in terms of uh, that we should do everything to ensure that uh, uh, no stone is left unturned in terms of the evidence that we gather and ensure that people are, whole, are held to account. In terms of the firms of attorneys, indeed, uh, Honorable Ngamashe, we will ensure that wherever those firms evidence point, there's a few of them that we have seen that monies get you know, channeled through the accounts and so on. So we are going to make those reports to the Legal Practice Council and we will ensure that Legal Practice Council activates their processes so that they are held to account and of course, uh, uh, possibly being removed to the role of legal practitioners. Uh, Honorable, Honorable Tswaku, uh, when is SIU going to submit the report? We have indicated in our presentation that the interim report on phase one will be submitted to the president on the 31st of October 22, and we will submit uh, follow-up reports on phase two and phase three, and ultimately consolidate into a, into a final report once all the phases are finalized. But I think we need to indicate, as we have done, that we continue to receive the allegations and we are duty-bound to investigate those allegations when we receive them. But of course, we will stick to the timelines of ensuring that the reports are presented. And once the, the, the report is presented to the president, the Honorable Committee can request a copy of the report from the presidency. Why are same matters uh, being investigated over and over? Uh, uh, of course, there is a possibility that a one NPO could probably be revisited uh, once or twice, depending on the evidence that comes up. Uh, the evidence can come from whistleblower A relating to NPO one. After a while, whistleblower two comes with the evidence pointing back to the same NPO, we are enjoined by law that we should reinvestigate and investigate that. So as we always say, our investigations are evidence-based and our outcomes uh, also uh, are, are, are evidence-based uh, investigations, of course, being supported by the allegations that have been made. Uh, how much money has been paid to the investigators? Honorable the investigators uh, are not being paid other than the salaries that they receive. Uh, and I think it's really important to, to underscore that. Our investigators are full-time employed by SIU and they are paid their salaries. However, I need to point out by law, SIU, when it investigates, it is legally uh, provided that it charges fees and those fees are charged by SIU as an institution, not by investigators. And the, in, the, the state institutions do pay uh, SIU. In this case, the NLC will be issued with invoices. Advocate? Uh, Advocate? Yes. Unfortunately, yes, yes, we have run out of time. So okay. I think if at the no, end thanks. there I'll... is no time, I'll come back to you. Otherwise, we'll ask you to give an attendance Responses to questions yes. that you haven't uh, covered yet. As no, I hand over to, to 
Okay, okay thank, thank you. you. Thank, th thank you, Honorable Chair. We appreciate it. Yes, and we know it's not the last time we will be engaging. Uh, Indeed. Thank you. Honorable, um, sorry, uh, Prof. Uh, Pichiana, comments from the board. If you are, you are still muted because we can't hear you, Prof. I apologize, uh, uh, Honorable oh, Chair. Uh, I wanted, I was just thanking the Honorable Chair and the Honorable Members of this Portfolio Committee for giving us audience uh, today uh, at this very, very crucial time in the life of the Board of the NLC. Um, I do believe that the questions and the points that were raised are very important and very crucial. We may not do justice in the time available to all of them. Uh, just I want to highlight uh, the questions. Then I want to ask um, one or two of my colleagues, Ms. Beryl Ferguson or Ms. Precious Mvulane, uh, to address them, if I may. The first question that I'd like to put is the question from Mr. Cuthbert about the lifestyle audits. The second one is whether we did obtain an independent opinion on the extension of the license. Um, and then there was a question about the appointment of the acting commissioner, whether due diligence was done uh, in that case. And there is a question also of whether conflicts of interest were declared by the new members of the board recently appointed, and whether there are mechanisms for monitoring and measuring social impact of the projects and the funding of the NLC. I want to, if I may, just turn uh, uh, quickly to Ms. Ferguson and to Ms. Vulane, uh, and I believe those questions are very much up their street, as they say. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Um, thank you, Dr. Patiana. Uh, thank you, Honorable Chairperson. I will just attempt to um, address one or two of the questions that were asked. The question of the, um, the lifestyle audit was asked of the minister. However, from um, our perspective as, as NLC, we have had a, a series of um, integrity testing to be done. And one of it that we have um, proposed that we introduce is certainly lifestyle audits starting from the board down. Why we felt that should happen is that the board should be above scrutiny. And, um, and so, um, yes, from our perspective, I'll mean, see the minister may have a different uh, view, but certainly from our perspective, yes. Just in terms of, of the legal opinion um, on the extension of, the, of the, the third license, of course, we had to also look at continuity and stability of the NLC, but certainly we got extensive legal opinion and uh, there was a lot of backwards and forwards uh, with that. And the minister might uh, want to also expand on that because it really is sitting in his domain. In terms of um, the, the, the internal governance measures, um, our chairperson has um, put to the committee, to the portfolio committee, of the fact that we, as, as the NLC board and certainly as the management, we are revisiting and re-looking at all our policies, our processes, um, how our internal governance uh, measures up. 
And so we certainly are looking at all of that. Um, I, I'm not going to, um, I will leave this other question to for the minister's response um, about the board and so forth. And um, when is the board planning on filling executive positions? We are currently, we have currently uh, put out adverts. We have had some um, uh, CVs returned and we are certainly in the process. And we are hoping to make those appointments very soon because we cannot operate with um, the executive being empty. It is critical that we fill those positions with credible people very, very soon. Um, how many employees have been implicated? Um, we are going, as we said earlier, we are looking at all the investigative um, reports. We are going through everything quite thoroughly along with the SIU. People are being identified as we speak. Um, we are going into processes of, of suspension and it, it's unfolding as, we, as we're going along almost on a daily basis. Um, some of it is not as straightforward and as easy, but we certainly are putting all of that in place. We do have m in, uh, um, in place. However, it definitely needs to be strengthened. And as our chairperson has said, and the minister has alluded, we will be visiting as the board. We will be looking at all our, um, our, our various uh, beneficiaries and, um, and making sure that our money is being well used um, as, a, as a public entity. I think I've, I've answered most of the questions. Thank you very much. I'm not sure if Dr. Lubisi would also want to add to this, and then I'll just hand over to Ms. Mufalani. Thank you very much. Uh, given that we only have two minutes left for the NLC, can I uh, hand over to the next speaker from the NLC? Thank you, Chair. I would like just to add, the legislation does allow uh, the board in consultation with the minister to actually uh, extend the license. Uh, so, and there was a legal opinion as Ms. Figure said. As for the appointment, I believe that will be completed within the next 60 days latest. Uh, some have already been shortlisted for the executive. I would like just to say for other matters relating to initiatives that are currently being uh, looked at by the board, we are in the process of putting those in place, including strong governance structures, uh, which will allow proper independence of the board uh, so that we can report adequately to the executive authority. I thank you. Thank you very much. I think we will pause there. We will, of course, also be uh, interacting with the uh, board and the N of the NLC further as we do our oversight work as a portfolio committee. Can I then uh, finally hand over to the minister for responses, please? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. And uh, can I start uh, with just appreciating the... Um, <clears throat> Uh, comments that have been made uh, regarding the uh, the efforts to to address the corruption. Very briefly on the uh, questions that have come up on the lifestyle audit matter, I, I believe it's a sensible approach to have the lifestyle audits uh, in the NLC given the history. And this matter came up in the last board meeting uh, or the last meeting I had with the board, and the board indicated to me 
uh, its approach and its work there. On legal costs, that has not yet been quantified. On the um, the matter of writing to companies uh, about the uh, allegations involving specific board members at the expiry of their term of office, once all the work has been completed and uh, all of it is uh, available, we'll take legal advice on that. <clears throat> on the matters raised by Honorable Swaku, we have followed uh, the processes set out in the Act in respect of uh, appointments, including uh, on the question of uh, the acting commissioner and the uh, the board members. I should also indicate that there has been a narrative uh, by implicated persons of sort to discredit all those uh, who are taking steps uh, to protect the institution and the monies that are meant for ordinary South Africans. And uh, I'm not aware of any of those allegations uh, made against uh, the acting uh, commissioner. On the points raised um, by Honorable McPherson, uh, on the, the specific issue of uh, uh, congratulatory fe uh, feeling being misplaced, well, I would, I would certainly agree that we, we should not be saying that we, we're celebrating uh, all the problems of the NLC. But what we do need to say is that democratic institutions do work that the SIU will come after implicated persons, that they will be held to account, that they can't hide, they may shred the documents, they may burn the documents, they may remove the documents, but the SIU has been following the money, that the investigations we've done have been um, uh, such that the extent of the, the problems have now been laid uh, uh, clear, and that also the courts have upheld the right of um, uh, various, uh, in this case, uh, the executive authority to hold uh, uh, the board to account in the manner that we've done. Honorable McPherson asked a few questions, and he says, with the benefit of hindsight. Well, I spent a lot of time with our lawyers in 2020, looking at what the options were legally available and what the risks were. And we acted on the basis of the independent legal advice. That advice has been uh, effective in that it has provided a sufficient basis of evidence. And as the court ruling itself found that the, the, the minister has to have a basis to act, and that basis has been established by the information that has come out of uh, the various investigations, I would urge Honorable McPherson to again carefully look at the detail. And I understand his enthusiasm to act immediately, to shoot from the hip, but if we wanted to avoid a successful uh, court action where the decisions of the executive were overturned uh, and uh, uh, where we, we were ultimately left uh, at the mercy of a board and a decision that uh, the staff and the commission could take, if we wanted to have that outcome, we should have shot from the hip. We acted carefully. We acted on legal advice. Uh, in fact, uh, the extent of the evidence available now is testimony to us following due process. On the, the other matter of hindsight, uh, Honorable McPherson raised the question of Parliament's responsibility and the MPs and so on. Uh, Honorable McPherson, uh, the hindsight question is quite a, a tough one for everybody. Um, and I would draw uh, Honorable McPherson's attention that in 2017, when the Portfolio Committee considered members of the board. There were different points of view in the committee. Some committee members uh, supported uh, what, what then became the, the chairperson. 
But Honorable McPherson will recall because he was in that committee, uh, both he and uh, then Honorable Hill was representing the Democratic Alliance, recommended uh, Advocate Huma to serve as the chairperson of the commission. And what has subsequently become evident is that there were serious questions and evidence that the SIU had uncovered implicating uh, Advocate Huma. And uh, that was presented to me, and that became the basis of the action that we took. So I think what we need to do is take a very realistic view here. As the information became evident and we, we, pro we had an evidential basis to act, we acted. And that was, uh, I think, very important. What is the objective uh, in any of these things? Is it to have grandstanding? And Honorable McPherson don't like the phrase, but it is true, Honorable McPherson. Uh, you make a fair point uh, that everybody should listen to any advice that's given. I, I agree with that. But I also would urge Honorable McPherson, in dealing with this, we're not uh, completely done with the matters involving the NLC. It would be better if the narrative that uh, the committee put forward as a unified narrative is to strongly support the work that the board will do now to hold people to account. And perhaps, you know, let's do a little bit less on all the grandstanding and all the posturing and so on. Uh, I, I think it, it would help us. Uh, as regards, do I have regrets on what you describe, Honorable uh, McPherson, as inaction? We, we've just lifted a little bit of the veil today on the steps taken by the ministry and the department in that entire period. And I think the record speaks uh, very loudly that instead of inaction, we took action to ensure that uh, the legal basis for uh, acting against corruption was well established. And that as that evidence became available, we, were, uh, we, we could rely thereon uh, to ensure changes in governance, and um, uh, that the, uh, the, the wrongdoers are now uh, uh, really in the sights of uh, the law enforcement agencies. I agree with those honorable members who said it would be important for the NPA and the other law enforcement agencies to take the baton from the SIU. It's, uh, it's vital. Uh, honorable uh, Tsoako has raised the question uh, should we not wait until all the reports are completed before any action is taken? Well, there's a substantial body of information available now, Honorable Swaku. And when that information is so compelling, uh, it provides grounds for the board to act. And that's what uh, uh, the board has indicated it will do. On the lotto license, as has been indicated, the NLC itself obtained a legal opinion and the department had two sets of attorneys also who interacted with the NLC and provided me at the end of the day with advice uh, on the extension of the lotto license. I think that covers the questions that were asked. And I'd like to, to end off, Chairperson, by thanking you, by thanking uh, the members of parliament. Uh, this is an important step of accountability. What has been uncovered is, uh, is nasty, it's rough, but it, uh, it shows uh, what the law enforcement agencies can do. And the next step now is to act. If I had to find a definition of a, 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 um, a cruel irony, it's the fact that uh, on the 1st of April last year, I saw an article in uh, uh, the Mailing Guardian newspaper 
that had a reference to a joint workshop or seminar that had been set up between the NLC and the OECD dealing with the issue of corruption. There was a cruel irony. What the new board is doing is they're taking every step to deal with the challenges that has been laid bare. And I wish them well. I wish the SIU very well. And I'm sure that we would all be looking forward to the steps that will be taken now. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Minister. Thank you very much uh, to the NLC board uh, led by Prof. Uh, Pichana and also to the SIU led by Advocate Mutibi. We know that uh, we are still going to, going forward, be looking at the NLC in our oversight capacity as, an, as a portfolio committee and as we approach the next two phases of uh, the investigation being done by SIU. So running out of time and preparing to... Uh, to go to the house uh, in a few minutes' time. I thank you all, and I'll just ask the committee secretary to speak to our program tomorrow. But I thank you all for your attendance and your interaction today. Thank, thank you, you all. Thank, thank you very much, Chair. Chair, we, tomorrow the committee will be engaging with the DTIC on the implementation of the master plan for the African furniture industry. We will also consider the draft fourth quarter program and consider minutes, Chair. That is okay. for the agenda for tomorrow. Thanks. Thank you very much. Can I also request that the, the Secretariat uh, check if there are any issues that are left unanswered? I think the SIU mentioned that they had two, so that we then uh, um, get written responses which can be circulated to members. Thank you all for your attention today. Goodbye. Thanks, Chair. Thank you. Bye, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Bye-bye, Chair.